Good morning, church. Welcome to our online worship service. It's a beautiful Sunday once again. So to all our Lighthouse family members all over the country here in Alabang and to our different outreach churches all over the country. And if, you're, uh, if you happen to are watching uh, this stream uh, all over the world, a beautiful morning to you as well, and siempre also to our CityGate family. You know, it's a beautiful Sunday, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship service. Uh, my wife and our kids give our love to everybody. We miss you, our kids, especially my son, Elijah, misses Kids Church very much. So he'd like to say a hi to his uh, Kids Church teachers, and today we are Continuing on with our series for October, this is the last Sunday of October, and we're going to cap off the preaching or the message series for this month entitled Reboot, Restarting Life God's Way. Now, three Sundays ago, Pastor Jonathan Aranton talked about the first topic of the series that talks about controlling your future. We learned from that message that for us to control our future, we need to know God's promises and charge it to His promises. Now, the second Sunday after, Pastor Carlo in the English service and Bishop Saniel in the Pinoy service talked about alter your focus on how we consecrate ourselves, our lives, and how we focus and shift our attention to our circumstance to what the Lord is about to do and to fulfill His purpose in our life. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Leo and uh, Pastor Ed uh, talked about the third installment of this message series entitled, Delete Your Fear. Now, while we cannot delete fear, we can actually defeat it. We can defeat it by the power of God and to trust His sovereignty and to completely submit and obey His commands so that He can give us the strength to overcome our obstacles in life. So today, our last topic for this message series is entitled, Press On With Your Faith. We will continue to look into the book of Joshua and uh, continue on with his story and how the Lord has uh, placed favor in their, in their life, in the tribes, and in the entire Israelite army and Israelite camp. And so before we begin, would you join me and open the service in prayer? Father, today we welcome you with thanksgiving. We welcome you and we celebrate your goodness in our life. Today we thank you once again for gathering your people to watch and to listen and to hear your word be spoken this morning. Father, would you hide me behind your cross? Let your word be spoken and let your voice be heard by your people today. This is our prayer, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We will continue to look into uh, chapter 7. Now, our, our attention now shifts on chapter 7 of uh, this story, this book of Joshua, and we will, uh, I'll just read to you 
verse 1, and then as we go along, we'll read the succeeding verses, and we'll, we'll learn lessons from this chapter. Verse 1, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Now let's take a step back and refresh our memories on how the Lord has given favor and how the Lord has been with the Israelite people up until this time. We've already examined and learned that the favor of the Lord was transferred and given to Joshua as he took over the reins. He received the mantle of leadership from Moses when he died, and the Lord anointed Joshua. And he's now charged with continuing and uh, fulfilling the mission of the Lord to the Israelites to bring them to the promised land. And we have seen so far in the earlier chapters of the book of Joshua on how the Lord has been favored or how the Lord has given favor to the Israelite people. When Joshua took on the mantle of leadership, his first major task given to him was to bring the Israelite people and cross the Jordan River. Now, he has witnessed how the Lord given favor to Moses and how uh, the Lord instructed Moses to bring the Israelite people across the Red Sea. And now, Joshua is now given with this mandate or with this instruction to cross the Jordan River. And so the Lord provided him with instructions and the Lord stopped the flowing of the river so that they can cross. Now, upon crossing the Jordan River, a next hurdle, a next task, a mighty task was then presented to Joshua. And what is that? It is now to bring down and conquer the city of Jericho. Upon crossing the Jordan River, it, it lie faced with a, a challenge with this city, a very fortified city with walls so high and it's very impenetrable from outside forces. But the Lord promised Joshua that he will give the city of Jericho to them as fulfillment and as they continue on in reaching the promised land. So the Lord provided instructions to Joshua on how the city of Jericho will fall down. Without them lifting their swords, without them uh, shedding their blood in, in war, all they had to do was go around the city seven times and they have witnessed on how the Lord brought the city of Jericho to its knees. And upon conquering the city of Jericho, this happened. Chapter 7 happened. Now you see wins after wins after wins, victories after victory after victory, the Lord has showed up and the Lord's hand was with Joshua and the city 
or the Israelite people. And then this happened, chapter 7. That this has brought chaos and has a potential leading to destruction of the Israelite people. And we will examine from this chapter on how the Israelite people and Joshua responded and pursued on with their faith and how the Lord turned the situation around and continued on in giving them the favor that the Lord has promised in their life. They face in this chapter a major setback. A major setback they faced. And one lesson and one learning, one thought that I'd like to share with you is this. A setback is God's setup for a bounce back or a comeback. A setback is God's setup for a bounce back. You know, in our lives, would you agree with me that we all go through different setbacks in life? If you're a young person, a young adult, you go through a setback in your life, in your season of life. And if you're a married couple, if you are, if you are parents, if you, you have children, and even in ministry, we go through different setbacks in life. And if you take notice, in this statement, the operative word is, is God's setup. I didn't say a setback can be or could be God's setback. There is certainty in this statement that in our setbacks in life, as children of God, every time we face a setback in life, it is a setup of God for us to bounce back. There is always a certainty that we can declare upon our setbacks, upon our lives, that we can bounce back from this. And God is setting, up, setting us up to something greater. You know how... I could say that there, we can declare with certainty, it is because that even in our setback, the Lord is still working in our hearts. The Lord is still working in our life. And this is what we, we can see in this story, in this narrative of chapter 7, on how this setback and how the Lord turned this setback around and allowed the Israelite people to bounce back from a potential destruction. Now, how do we pursue with our faith? How do we bounce back and how do we uh, think of our setback as a bounce back platform? For us to pursue with our faith, we need to chase after God's presence. We need to chase after God's presence. You know, when I think about the word chase, what comes to my mind is a picture. I, I've placed a picture of a cheetah over here in the slides. I can imagine a cheetah running after or chasing its prey, a gazelle. You know, you've, you've watched documentaries, Discovery Channel, on, on, this, uh, on this movement on how a cheetah... And gazelle, they, were, they, they run so fast, run around the, the grasslands. And the cheetah has its eyes locked in into the gazelle. He doesn't mind the, the twists and turns of the chase, the ups and downs of the chase. 
his eyes are focused on his goal and it's that to chase after and, and capture that gazelle. Another thought that comes to my mind is, you know, this athletes, this, this game in athletics wherein um, competitors or athletes run around an oval and then they have uh, several hurdles wherein they would jump over these hurdles. It's, it's called steeplechase or um, hurdles. And same perspective. These athletes are locked in and are focused on their goal, which is the finish line. They uh, are not so much paying attention to the height of the hurdles. They will just jump. They will just focus on the goal at hand. Same thing, my friend, when we chase after God's presence. We focus, we fix our eyes onto God and to be in His presence. That is our goal, to chase after God's presence. Now, what does it mean, my friend? What does it mean when we chase after God's presence? We chase after God's presence, it means we consult God at all times. Now, to aid us in remembering, remembering these points, a shout out and a greeting to Dr. Chuck and Rose Maddinger, our orality mentor. So, aid us in remembering this point. When we, we say, consult God at all times, would you clasp your hands like this? This is the action uh, for us to reinforce and remember, consulting God at all times. Consult God at all times. We look into the second verse of Joshua chapter 7. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or three thousand men to attack Ai. Since there are a few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately three thousand warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Did you notice what was missing in this narrative, in this part of the story? We would see here that Joshua, at this point, in this very moment, did not consult God first. But instead, he consulted his men and asked for their thoughts and followed their advice. You would wonder, how come Joshua skipped this part of consulting God first? where in the previous parts of their story, prior to this moment, every plan, every action that they needed to take, needed to make, Joshua sought and see to it that he would consult God first. And in their consultation, in his consultation with God, there you can see 
that line of communication very much alive, very strong. And every time Joshua consults God, the Lord provides him with answers and with direction. But how come in this time, Joshua did not consult the Lord? You see, AI, you know, after Jericho, the next hurdle, so to speak, the next major conquest that they need to take as they reach the promised land was Bethel, not AI. If I was in, we were in Jericho, the next step in front of us, the next hurdle is Bethel. It just so happened that on this side of the slope or the mountains is a small village of AI. They really did not have to go there and conquer that land. But for some reason, they thought, you know, this is a small village. You know, we, we didn't experience or enjoy the spoils of war when Jericho fell down because the Lord instructed us not to take any of the, the spoils of Jericho for our own keeping. Maybe we can conquer this. Maybe we can do a side trip. Maybe we can do this and conquer AI. It's a small village. Probably there's still some, some resources we can take for ourselves. But you see, what was missing here is the consultation of Joshua with God. Perhaps what led him not to consult the Lord is overconfidence or overzealousness. Jericho was a big win for Joshua and the Israelite people. Again, they didn't even break a sweat. All they did was to walk around it, and then at the seventh day, they just shouted and, and uh, blown their horns, and the walls came crumbling down. It's overconfidence. I would present that this was the reason why Joshua did not consult. You know, maybe, Lord, this is just a small village. You know, you have shown up. You have given us favor in conquering Jericho. Maybe we can do this by ourselves, Lord. So I would not consult you anymore. Isn't it that's pretty much sometimes the story of our life? You know, the, the greatest danger that we face in life usually and immediately comes after our greatest victory. Let me repeat that. Our greatest danger usually and immediately comes after our greatest victory. This was a great victory for, Jericho was a great victory for the Israelite people. And human tendency is to relax, is to put our guards down. And you see, the enemy is working double time, triple time. His efforts are always up a notch to try to beat you, to try to beat and kill and, and destroy the children of the Lord. And if you 
put your guards down, even for a single moment. Every opportunity that the enemy is presented with, every opportunity you give the enemy to try to steal, kill, and destroy you, he will take advantage of that. And this is what happened with Jericho at this, or with Joshua and Israel, with the Israelites at this, at this time. They let their guards down out of overconfidence and overzealousness. Chasing after God's presence means that we should always be praying. We should always be consulting the Lord. You know, when the pandemic hit, the first thing that we made sure that we get back to, aside from this online service, you know, we keep on improving. We try to keep improving our online service. But we also pay a special, a high premium and a high importance in prayer. Because we believe as disciples of the Lord, prayer is very important. Not only do we always commune with the Lord individually in our homes, but the communal prayer, community prayer is very important. That's why even up to now, we have been, we have been trying to be faithful in our community prayer devotions. Every day on our Facebook page, you can find and you can join us in interceding for the different prayer points that is presented there, for the church, for the nation. And we also made efforts to provide everyone different channels wherein we can pray for you. If you want to be prayed for, you can just drop a comment right below, right down below, right now, and someone, and we would pray for you. You can also send in your prayer request through text. Numbers are posted down below the screen where you can just text your prayer request and we will pray for you. You can also send us a message via our Facebook page. We are exhausting all avenues, all channels because we put high premium to prayer. Prayer is very important for us and it should always be very important for you. And you can also use this QR code. You can just scan this and what used to be a paper and, and pen that wherein you can write your prayer request when you go to church every Sunday, we just transitioned it to this online means. These are the different chants. And later after the service, you can join our Zoom prayer room so that we can pray for you. Because we believe that prayer should be our first option. It should never be a second. It should never be a last option for us. To pursue with our faith, we should consult God at all times. Prayer is very important. First John chapter 5, 14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask 
anything according to His will, He hears us. You know what prayer does? What consulting God at all times does for our prayers, the tone of our prayers, what used to be when we approach God in prayer, what used to be the tone of our prayer is this, Lord, I want this. Lord, would you give me this? Lord, would you bless me this? But when we consult the Lord at all times, when we keep regularly our prayer time and be faithful in our prayer time, prayer filters our hearts from what used to be, Lord, I want this. Lord, would you give me this? To, Lord, what is your will for my life? Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Lord, what is it that you want me to accomplish? Lord, let your will be done. And because in our prayer time, we ask the Lord of His will, again, there is this certainty that when we approach the presence of the Lord in our prayers and we pray and we ask something that is always according to His will, there is always that certainty that the Lord will not only hear your prayer, He will grant your prayer. He will answer your prayer with a yes and amen because it is within His will for your life. That's the amazing benefit of constantly consulting God and constantly praying to God. What does it mean to chase after God's presence? It means we honor His leading and instructions. We honor. This is consult. Honor is like this. Parang panatang makabayan, right? We consult God at all times and we honor His leading and instructions. Chapter, uh, verse 17 rather, of Joshua chapter 6. Let's go back to what the instruction of God to Joshua. Verse 17 of Joshua 6 says, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into His treasury. You know, going back to that instruction, the instruction of God to Jericho when it comes to the city of Jericho came twofolds. The first instruction, the Lord provided Joshua on how to conquer that city on how the walls, those fortified walls, that fortified city will come crumbling down. But then the second fold of that instruction was on how Joshua and the, city, and, and the Israelites will handle the spoils of war. What will they do 
once the city crumbles, once they enter the gates, the broken gates of Jericho, what will they do with the things, the resources, everything that they find inside? And the Lord was specific in His instructions about that, that they are not to take anything for themselves as a souvenir, as um, a prize for themselves. Everything should be destroyed. Those precious elements, those precious metals goes to God in His treasury. You know, because it was the Lord who gave the city to Joshua. They didn't even break a sweat. So it's just but right that the Lord asks that these resources be for His glory. That was the twofold instruction. But then, this one guy, Achan, forgot the second instruction. Chapter 7, verse 21 of Joshua, when Achan was confronted by Joshua later on in that, in that chapter, later on in that story, this is what he said. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Not only did Achan violated the instruction, it was done in deceit. There was covetousness in his heart. When we chase after God's presence, what breaks the honor in honoring God's leading and instruction, one of the many, but one of the major stumbling blocks of us, disciples and children of the Lord, is covetousness. Covetousness has no place in God's presence. We've seen what covetousness resulted to Achan. His deceit, his sin, resulted to the death of 36 Israelites retreating. And his deceit, his sin, could potentially or is about to result in the destruction of the Israelite people. It, at this point, broke the favor of the Lord to them. You know, my friend, sin is sin. There's no small sin, there's no medium sin, there's no large sin. In the eyes of the Lord, sin is sin. You see the gravity of what Achan did. What he thought would be just a small memento, small uh, souvenir. Later on in the verse, resulted in the destruction of their family. 
on how it could have wiped out and destroyed the Israelites because they were defeated by a small village AI. And prior to that moment, word is spreading across the region that the Israelite people are to be uh, not taken lightly. What was once a tribe or a group of people that were slaves are now becoming a powerhouse in that region. You know, after crossing the Jordan River, after conquering the city of Jericho, those are mighty feats of an army. But then they were defeated by a small village. So Joshua was thinking that might send another kind of message all across that we are now vulnerable and they can now go back and attack us. Luke 12, 15 says, Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. No wonder part of God's commandment to the Israelites was thou shall not covet. For some reason, Achan forgot about that commandment and coveted items that were not supposed to be kept and taken home by them because it was supposed to be given. Everything was supposed to be given to the Lord. Honor His leading and instructions. What does it mean to chase after God's presence? To chase after God's presence means we admit failures and shortcomings. Let's refresh our memories. Consult God at all times. Honor His leading and instructions. Accept failures, and shortcomings. Let's look at Joshua's reaction when he was in the presence of God upon knowing and hearing that 36 of his men were killed and uh, they were being chased by uh, the army of AI. This was his reaction and how he presented himself to the Lord. Verse 6 says, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads, and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Admit failures and shortcomings. At this point, Joshua was still clueless of what went wrong. Joshua has still had no idea on how they were defeated by a small village of a small army, of, of how 
after conquering Jericho, this small village brought death to their camp. Out of his grief, he tore his clothing and threw dust on their heads. You know, this is a symbolic act of so much grief that one can experience. This is a symbolic act of Jewish, Jewish customs, Jewish culture to tore their clothing and throwing dust on their heads as a sign, as an act of overwhelming grief. And in their grief, he presented himself in the Lord, asking, Lord, what have we done? Why? What have we done to deserve this, to result in this? There's also that element of regret. If only, Lord, we had stayed on the other side. If only, Lord, I have consulted you first. If only, Lord, we didn't allow overconfidence, overzealousness to be in our hearts. If only, Lord. That was the posture of Joshua's heart when it comes to the failure and shortcomings of his leadership and of the Israelites. Now let's go to what was the reaction of Achan when he was confronted with the truth of his sin. Verse 20 of chapter 7 says, Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. You would see here, Two different circumstances, two different scenarios, but the same posture of the heart. There is an outright admission of their failures and their shortcomings. Let me ask you, my friend, when God impresses in your heart of a sin, that you did, when you're confronted with the truth of your action by your spouse, your leader, or your pastor, what's the posture of your heart? Would you try to evade and try to reason out and most likely dug a deeper grave to your sin? Or is, there, or is the posture of your heart when confronted with the truth of your sin, there's an outright admission of your failure, of your shortcoming? Chasing after God's presence, we admit to our failures and shortcomings. What does it mean to chase after God's presence? We submit to His correction. Let's do a recap once again. Consult God at all times. Honor His leading and instruction. Accept failures and shortcomings. 
submit to His correction. Submit to His correction. Verse 12 says, That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Verse 13 continues on with saying, Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. You probably wonder and ask, Pastor, isn't it that when I admit to my sin, to my failure and shortcoming, isn't that already uh, synonymous to submitting myself for correction, submitting myself for discipline? I would say no. These are two different actions, but it comes well together. You can, you can admit to your shortcomings, but do not submit yourself for correction. You can even say you're sorry and apologize, but not owning up to your mistakes. You know how it is sometimes when we, uh, even in our correction, we tend to be choosy on how the Lord will correct us. But Psalm 51, 17 says, My sacrifice, O, o God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. A contrite heart. A contrite heart exemplifies repentance. The statement that comes along with this is, I'm sorry. The second step is humility. I was wrong. The third step is submission. What can I do to make it right? How can I be better? These are three steps to achieving a contrite heart when it comes to correction in the presence of God. We repent. And we humble ourselves and we admit to our mistakes. And there is complete submission to the correction and to the, the discipline and to the consequence of our sin, of our actions. This is key to completely receiving restoration and completely bouncing back from our setback of sin. What does it mean to chase after God's presence. We experience complete restoration. We consult God at all times. We honor His leading and instructions. We admit our failures and shortcomings. We submit to His correction. And we experience complete restoration. Joshua chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 
Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time, you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Wow, that's a complete turn around. After chasing God's presence and submitting to the correction of the Lord, Joshua and the Israelite people received complete restoration. And this is what is amazing in terms of receiving complete restoration from the Lord. The Lord can make your place of defeat to your place of victory. The Lord can make your place of defeat to your place of victory. Ai was a place of defeat for the Israelite people. But the Lord turned it around and made that place of defeat to their place of victory. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Complete restoration is what we desire. And because God is in control and God is working even in our setback, our place of defeat can be turned into a place of victory. And our setback is God set up for our comeback or our bounce back. Press on with your faith, my friend. And in pressing on with our faith, we consult God at all times. We honor His leading and instruction. We accept or admit our failures and shortcomings. We submit to His correction and we experience complete restoration. That is the message of the Lord for us this morning. If you are here today and you are saying to yourself, I want that. I want to chase God's presence. I want to pursue with my faith, but I don't have a faith yet in the Lord. If you are here, my friend, it starts with having faith in Christ and receiving Him in your life. And if you're that person today and you'd like to accept the Lord as your Lord and Savior, would you join me and pray after me? I will be praying and would you um, repeat these words after me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you humbly and with faith. I confess I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. I have heard your good news that you sent your Son, Jesus, to be my Savior. He died on the cross for my sins. 
He rose again to conquer death, and He lives forevermore and will return one day as King of Kings. Today, I repent of my sins, and I ask Jesus to come into my life. I believe in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I commit my life to serve and obey my Lord. Grant me the strength through your Holy Spirit so I may live my life pleasing before you. Help me grow in my spiritual walk so that I may reach my full potential as you created and designed in me. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your strength. I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. Amen.